0: So the, the main question I have, and I think everything cascades from this is like, how has, has everything you've been learning, especially in the past year, kind of the phase two of the, the podcast, like how has it changed how you do design work and putting these, these ideas, which sometimes I feel like I understand sometimes they're pretty nebulous, but like revealing potential, essence, nested holes, you know, all, all these really powerful ideas, like how has that affected? affected your practice on the ground with
1: clients you move from more of a i'm an expert that you're basically buying responsibility from so i'm a yeah. mentor where i'm saying you know what no i'm going to let you keep taking responsibility for the fact this is your life your land what i can take responsibility for is i can be responsible for resourcing you supporting you mentoring to take responsibility for your own life and your own habitat mm-hmm. Greetings everybody, this is Dan Palmer warmly welcoming you back to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast, and this is episode 41, in which I'm very excited to share a fantastic conversation I enjoyed about a month back with a professional permaculture designer based in Costa Rica named Scott Galant. Scott is part of a permaculture design firm called Veneer Design, which you can check out at porveneerdesign.com, it's P-O-R-V-E-N. IRdesign.com, one of the more beautiful and impressive permaculture um, design websites I've seen. One big difference in this episode is that very early on in the conversation, the tables turn and Scott takes over asking all the questions and interviews the living daylights out of me. I'm also excited because what we're talking about and what I'm sharing more of probably than I ever have before is the practical realities of the approach. I call living design process, where living design process for me is the name of the, the design process or the approach that I, I use in my my work day to day, week to week. And um, I see it as a as an example of a coherent approach that sits alongside others, including the living systems thinking approach that we'd be learning about from Carol Sanford and, and Genesis and the field process model of, of um, Yashir Brawns on your horse that some of you will be familiar with if you've been uh, following the project for a little while. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the the different flavour, and I also want to let you know that I dug up a little bit of an audio recording of David Homgren speaking at a Permaculture Convergence a, a few years back, and I just re- remembered that he he was speaking to some of the exact, you know, precise topics and content we cover in the the chat. So I, I share that um, at the end, and I'll also update you with some I don't know latest news and whatever. Then, so enjoy and catch you on the other side. Thanks so much for Scott to, for reaching out and being part of the show. Here I am with Scott Gallant, who's joining us from Costa Rica.
0: Welcome Scott. Thank hey. you, Dan. Yeah, great to be here Mahan.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on the show. So I can't remember the exact sequence. I mean, you emailed me at some point, and your energy was around, you're, you've been a practicing, as we'll hear shortly, you're a practicing permaculture designer and you've been tuning into the Making Permaculture Stronger blog and podcast and a whole lot of questions have come up for you about how the heck do I translate these ideas, some of which may appeal into the practical reality of my consulting practice. And what I'm really, I'm really excited to be engaging with you and others, people that are on the ground, you know, they're seriously committed to making a positive difference. They're working with permaculture in a practical way, you know, making a living out of it doing things on other people's properties that have consequences, you know, and you're obviously really actively wanting to grow and evolve and become more aware of what you're doing, how you're doing it and continue to do the best job you possibly can. And um, why don't we start off by hearing about you and your story. So where you are, where you're from, you know, how you got into permaculture, all that stuff.
0: Great. Well, yeah, thank you so much, Dan. And yeah, like you said, the, the podcast was something I found a I don't know, maybe a year or so ago, and it really just struck a chord that um, myself and my business partner, Sam Kenworthy, have been talking about in our work a lot and kind of encourage us to explore these ideas more. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm from the States, uh, a little town in Ohio, kind of grew up in cornfields and, and like crappy beer and country music, and like pretty normal Midwestern United States upbringing spent a lot of time in nature as a kid, which I I credit a lot for what I'll say, kind of getting me back on the path of of the work I'm doing now. Um, I went to university and got a degree in economics. So I was really on like a path to go down into Wall Street, high finance, was interviewing with those type of firms and was lucky enough to jump off of that mostly because I didn't have debt. I had supportive parents. I'm a white Male from a like a middle class family in the United States, so I have a lot of privilege that you know allowed me to explore at the university, and was fortunate enough to uh, uh, meet my uh, a partner at the time, and we ended up traveling through Central America, classic backpacking story, and ended up working on woofing on farms and and just slowly being introduced into permaculture, and ended up on a project in Costa Rica called Rancho Mas which is a pretty well known education center. And I really showed up there first with the idea of uh, becoming more useful. It's kind of how I thought about it. It come from like this university background and I didn't grow up farming or, you know, my parents weren't hippies. They weren't like pushing me out in the garden or anything like that. And so I, I felt pretty disconnected from, from the place I lived. I felt disconnected from my body and how to use it. And so my work in Costa Rica started really like natural building, working with bamboo, furniture construction, and and just kind of learning tools and how to like use my body and and connect with those things and ended up the owners approached us about becoming business partners there. And we ended up doing that for, for nine years. And uh, my second year there was fortunate enough to have some mentors that were involved in permaculture and, and basically like put a seed in my hand and, you know, like, all right, put this in a pot, watch it germinate. And, and the bug kind of stuck early on. I was really just kind of manual labor. <laughs> I was happy to dig and use my body. I was like 23 years old or whatever and um, enjoyed that. And uh, eventually the role of run the education center and farm uh, kind of fell on my shoulders amongst many others. And I had the chance to spend like five or six years just cutting my teeth on one piece of land out every day with a machete, making decisions about what to plant and why and where and guiding groups and an apprentice crew and local workers. And eventually uh, one of my mentors, who, who Chris Shanks, who uh, teaches permaculture courses, asked me to start teaching with him. And that was kind of when I was like, okay, I need to figure out what this is. And I took the class with him and must've been like 2013 and, and really started teaching. I, I think i taught now maybe 14 or 15 PDCs have been really fortunate to do that. Um, I I really enjoy it. And then a few years ago, people started asking me to come to properties and, and just provide recommendations like, Hey, can you come over to our place? We just bought this piece of land. Um, just want to get like a second opinion and, um, did that with some other folks that for a while. And then my current business partner and I, we both kind of realized that we were ready to move on from the project we were at and and decided to form a business um so we formed PortaVeneer veneer design in 2017 i think like may 2017 and been all in since we are a design install firm um, we use the language of permaculture internally on our website it's it's kind of hidden in there we work Predominantly in Costa Rica, I, I just came back from a project in Puerto Rico, we, we touched into Nicaragua, Colombia as well, but we're really focused on like, being experts here in this place. And we're growing, we're hiring somebody, um, probably in, in two weeks for the first time, which is exciting and, and nervous, <laughs> like trying to figure out how to grow the business. And, and like you said, in the intro, you know, basically, what we do is, is people with land approach us, and they're looking for recommendations, they're looking for help on making decisions about what how to use their land you know what's best suited for and then increasingly we take on oversight of those projects in the implementation and yeah right now we have about i think five projects that will be in charge of uh, implementation oversight come this rainy season which is starting right now Uh, maybe like two or three days ago the rains kind of kicked in and seemed like they'll be here And then at any given time, we have another maybe five or six projects happening where we're just kind of providing recommendations, um, planning work, but we're not in charge of of sourcing or getting plants in the ground or oversight of a a crew or anything like that. So that kind of sums up the business a little bit and and yeah, what we're doing. And it's, our our expertise is tropical agroforestry and and we're learning all the other pieces of design and planning and and project oversight, but our, our background is really like how to grow cacao, how to grow vanilla, how to do this in a way that is, is great for the land and, and great for the people involved. Yeah, that's, that's my quick summary. Tight, that's tight, well done.
1: Okay, so tell us a little bit about the, uh, the climate where you are and, and possibly the geology too. You know, I think it's just really fascinating when we get the chance to talk to people all around the world. Yeah. What, what kind of tropics um, and yeah, what, what kind of soils, what kind of landforms, you know, just a little bit of that context to
0: be, to be useful. Yeah, so Costa Rica is a like pretty classic humid tropics. We're um, at nine degrees latitude north of the equator. And there's kind of two main tropical regions. You get a dry tropical forest that has rain for three to four months of the year, and then wet tropics that has rain nine months of the year. On average, some places a little less, some places a little bit more. Where I lived for nine years, we would get up to six, seven meters of rain in a seven, eight month period. So like pretty heavy rainfall. Where I'm based now, it's a little bit more spread out. Um, so more like a drizzly, less heavy, heavy rain coming in. Um, the topography in general is pretty rugged. We're usually working on projects on steep slopes. <laughs> um, that's what people can afford. Um, it's kind of like the leftover land that, that most people are buying these days. Um, but we do have some projects where it's flat. The soils, it's like heavy clay. Really acidic, low pH. Um, we get into issues of like aluminum toxicity. Um, so it's kind of classic, heavily weathered tropical soils. Like really low organic material. You know, all of our our life is in the you know the trees and the microorganisms and the roots, um, the insects. That's that's where our our life is. We don't build up like the the deep topsoil that. Yeah, you know, I'm from Ohio, and that's that's what we find in our soils when we start digging. It's you know, dark for many many inches. We don't get that at all. Yeah, oh fantastic. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, when you talked about how your 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 thing is tropical agroforestry, I was reflecting on the time I spent in the tropics in Uganda, and it's it's like it's just yeah. too much work not to be in the in the tree game, right? Because <laughs> everything is everything just grows like a rocket ship. So it's like the whole kind it's of in pretty. a sense.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It feels pretty easy down here in a lot of ways. Like once you get some base patterns down, like, man, just get a lot of jackfruit in the ground, get a lot of coconuts oh. in the ground and you, know, you, you can hit a point, you know, if you're diligent that it can be pretty, you know, not that self-sufficiency is ever a, a goal that we advocate for, but, like, and you can feed yourself down here yeah. without, without a ton of work.
1: Yeah. Like you say, plant the trees and then get out the machete and wander around. And...
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's really nice. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's really cool. One question I had is you said you're you know, in my mind anyway, you can correct me if I'm wrong. There's kind of three categories of work you're doing. One is the teaching. One is the, um, yeah. well, there's a the teaching and the consulting in the consulting some are projects where you're more fully involved, you're designing, recommending and kind of project managing, implementing, you know, that sort of thing. And some are more yeah. where you're, it's more at the it stops at the recommended recommendation stage you go and give your advice and 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 in those cases what what form are the recommendations taking are you, you know is it walk and talk is it you yeah, presenting designs this, what
0: you? I would say there's like two of those styles so one's just like a basic walk and talk we'll go for a day maybe two days and that's usually somebody that has just bought a piece of land or has had it for a few years and is looking for like second opinions, brainstorming, Uh problem solving of a specific issue. And that's just us moving around, like taking notes. That's pretty simple. And and for some of those clients, there'll be like ongoing conversations, email, WhatsApp chats, um, in the months afterwards. But a lot of it kind of just ends there. And then for other projects, we're going for three to five days and deliver, you know, what we're calling now a concept working plan. I, I think it was, um, maybe in your podcast with Ben Falk and one of your early ones, he, he was changing concept master plan to concept working plan that yep. was like, yes, like that's the correct word. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, we'll deliver a document that ends up being, you know, maybe around 20 pages. It's, it can be like a series of maps, kind of existing conditions, site analysis, um, context, neighbors, and then just basic recommendations on soil management, the enterprise selection, species recommendations, um, and then a lot of general recommendations on like how to move forward. So like how to prioritize, what might a chronology look like? And the goal with those documents, because we're not the ones doing the work is just trying to give the client confidence so like take those steps and, and, and move forward. And, and I think that's what a lot of people reach out to us for.
1: All right. Yeah. As, as you're talking, I, I just had, a, had that um, levels of paradigm of Carol Sanford come into my mind, which maybe we can come back to because I think it's really interesting. I haven't yeah. applied, applied it explicitly to consulting because you're saying often people call you in to solve problems, which is a rest disorder, the second of her levels.
0: Right. right. And often
1: they want to solve problems so they can extract value or get a value return, right? We want to grow some, yeah. some sort of cash crop. Um, and then it's, it's also, it's also very easy in permaculture to do good, which is the, here, here are a whole bunch of good ideas that you could do. Right. And then I'm going to tell you what the ideas are and you do them. Um, and then there's that enticing potential of regenerate life, which is like, who are you yeah. uniquely? Who's this landscape uniquely? And so on.
0: It's interesting because like, we don't necessarily love that work or maybe better said, like, we wonder how useful it is to people. And so that, I think that's something that we struggle with sometimes like, cool. Like here's a plan. Are you actually going to be able to take this? Is it going to help you achieve what you need to do? And in some clients, it feels that way. Other ones, where you know you don't hear from them much afterwards. Yeah. And so we're so interested in that, that that next level, that next paradigm, which you know I've been thinking of as as mentorship. You know, where you're. I think in some of the podcasts, you know, you talked about shifting the responsibility back to the client. Yeah. And and that's something we've been talking about a lot these days. In how do we do that? What does that process uh, look like? Uh, um, how do you find clients that actually are up for that process? I mean, some people don't, you know, aren't, aren't, you know, ready to put that work in. Totally. Totally. Uh, those are, so those are kind of the questions I, I have yeah. kind of for yeah, you in great. this process and, and bring it all to the, into practice
1: well as as we discussed um before we started recording shortly we're going to flip this conversation upside down you're going to start interviewing me and asking me questions and, and you know <laughs> share, share some of your, the challenges or questions you have and uh, so let me just get in a, one more before we swap roles i just want to share the sort of beginnings of a line of thought i love that you you use the word responsibility and this idea that conventionally the way that clients often engage a permaculture designer or a landscape advisor if you look at it from a responsibility perspective, what they're saying is we want to pay you to take responsibility for telling us what to do, you know, to take responsibility for doing the right thing by the land or whatever else. And what you're talking about or what it means for me anyway, when, we, when you move from more of a, I'm an expert that you're basically buying responsibility from. So I'm a yeah. mentor where I'm saying, you know what, no, I'm going to let you keep taking responsibility for the fact this is your life, your land, you know, what I can take responsibility for is I can be responsible for resourcing you, supporting you, mentoring to take responsibility for your own life and your own habitat and yeah, all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, which is, I hadn't really brought that idea of responsibility in. And it's a great question, right? At the start of an engagement, okay, what's happening here with responsibility? <laughs> Who's taking responsibility for what? And to what extent am I am I going to be a accomplice in letting people outsource responsibility for their own life, which yeah. is which is a contradiction of the prime directive for permaculture, which is St- like step right. one, take responsibility <laughs> yeah, take for your responsibility. own life and do it now. You right, know? right. <laughs> anyway, okay, okay, let's let's flip. Let's flip it. So over to you. You've you sent through a few questions, fantastic questions, juicy questions that I'm really excited to explore with you. And I might even write some comments as well to go on the show notes. Great. But yeah, yeah, I don't know if you want to just go through those or just you, it's it's, yeah. it's It's over to you. Well now.
0: so the, the main question I have, and I think everything cascades from this is like how has has everything you've been learning, especially in the past year, kind of the phase two of the, the podcast, like how has it changed how you do design work and putting these these ideas, which sometimes I feel like I understand, sometimes they're pretty nebulous, but like revealing potential, essence, nested holes, you know, all, all these really powerful ideas, like how has that effect, affected your practice on the ground with clients? Mm-hmm. Do you find that, the type of deliverable and expectation you're setting with clients is different. Do you find that the the language you're using with clients is different? And yeah, on like just a real practical level, like how has that affected your work?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Well, I'll, let's make a start. And, and yeah, I'll say something. You can ask the next question. So one thing I should mention, just in, in starting out, is those the particular concepts you you mentioned were are associated with or have come from my recent foray. And um, I guess you could say infatuation with the living systems <laughs> thinking approach. I'm a bit, yeah. I'm infa- I, I admit it, I'm currently infatuated with Carol Samford. <laughs> and, and you know, just all these powerful concepts that are like, holy yeah. shit, I need to get my head and my being more than just head, my head, heart, and hands around these things. Mm. And so they include things like revealing essence and developing potential, and from Regen- Regenesis Group the story of place and well um, there's a whole whole bunch of them like at the very least the seven first principles of, of regeneration yeah. which include nested holes and nodal and dimensions all this stuff so that's all fairly new for me that's that's already okay. come across my radar in the last year or so and so in my experience i've been developing a different way and when you talked about what's different it's kind of everything is different the whole experience of the of the way i consult um, in relationship yeah. to culture is different and we can go into the details of that and and really with a focus on well how do you, how do we make it practical how, how would others actually roll this out and tr- start transforming what they do if they want to today yeah. next week. So I, I was, I was already developing that stuff and I I've, I've been using the, the name living design process for okay. the way I'm approaching it. And then my experience of coming across this living systems thinking stuff has been, it, it's very complementary, very resonant with what I was already doing, what I'm, I'm continuing to do. And, and my experience is that it's helped me f- um, kind of clarify, focus, deepen, certain key aspects of what I, what I do, you know, it's like I'm named things that I was sort of doing, but were a bit vague and like made them really sharp and, and it allowed me to deepen them. So maybe I'll, yeah. Just so keeping that in mind, what I'm saying is I'm, I'm not pretending to be any kind of, yeah, it's in process. Yeah. That, that stuff's all in process and it's enriching my approach very, like quite rapidly. But there was already this kind of base approach that um, that that I was using before that, which I I can speak to. So, in terms of the the first the thing that floats the top for me, because there's there's differences all the way down, but at the very top is the transition from I am an expert permaculturist. You are hiring me as an expert permaculture consultant, and I am coming in, and what you're buying is my expertise, which I'm going to package up for you in this product called a design, and maybe a report. And so you're buying a product called a design and i i have expertise that can generate that design that you don't have and so you you know you're going to pay me to give you a design which is basically a set of instructions for what i'm going to tell you you should do in your place and i don't do that anymore so what i've shifted to is as you know is i'm not selling a product called a design i'm not even really wearing the hat of a of a permaculture expert e- Anymore, even though it's really important, you know, it's, it is it is part of my repertoire, and the fact that I know about you know stuff, soils and slope and wind and sun, all that stuff, you know, I couldn't do what I do without that. It's not like I'm pretending otherwise. But the way I understand what I'm doing now is I'm I'm supporting, resourcing, mentoring, um, empowering, um, I'm I'm enabling the people I work with to get a process started or maybe redirect the process that's already been started towards life, towards what I call living design process, where I want them to hold it. It's their life, it's their process, and I'm here to resource and support that and to fully include them in in their own development process. And so I'm, I'm suddenly, my focus is not so much them. Well, it is them in the landscape, but above that, and before that, my focus is the process of those two things developing, and, and me helping that um, hit certain notes and start off in certain directions, and not fall into certain um, very common potholes or traps, um, and to support a living process to germinate and to grow, particularly during the early fragile phases, where I'm basically kind of training them or educating them in, in this process, which is often quite unusual. You know, it's been socialized mm-hmm. out of us, and yeah. so supporting that to get started, where a byproduct of the, the process that I'm helping them hold and that I'm kind of nourishing, is great, is great outcomes. Is the great outcomes right. that in the past, they paid me just to dream up and, and sell them. So, you know, yeah. we're still creating amazing landscapes and amazing livelihood options. And, and I'm using words like um, life scape or life shape or land shape. or you know We're sculpting all those things iteratively. Yeah. Um, th- they understand what's happening every step of the way. I'm never running off ahead of them and doing a whole lot of work and then saying, okay, we need to have a meeting because I'm going to bring you up to speed if anything, it's the opposite. So I'm saying, okay, here's some homework for you. I I want you to go out and do this, do this, do this. I'll I'll show them. I'll make sure that that I understand that they understand what I'm asking them to do. They do it. And then we'll come back together and they catch me up. And what I'm looking for is is really that regenerate life, evolve capacity flavor of, I'm trying to kind of light and nourish a spark of, of life and excitement in them about you know, their, their place, their, their lives. Because I know that at the end of the day, if that doesn't happen, if they're disconnected or absentee or whatever, it's yeah. not going to stick, right? At some point, yeah, it's going to no. fall over or they're just going to have to go from expert to expert to expert, like the expert designer, yeah. the expert implementer, the expert manager. And meantime, the whole structure of the conversation is, means they're missing out on one of the most exciting things they could be doing in their whole life.
0: Yeah, right, yeah. stop there. Do you find that the skill set you're using is like shifted a lot? It, it feels like, you know, going from a skill set of, I mean, maybe more like reading the landscape and, you know, understanding how to lay out a, you know, a farm or whatever to facilitation, you know, at a, at a basic level, whether that's the like, um, you know, holistic context work that you've done. Does that feel like a big part of this process is just like developing this other skill set of being able to facilitate this process versus like, cool, I know how to build a garden, install a garden and what plants uh-huh. to select. Yeah. Is that been a, like? I, I guess the question I have is like, I feel like I need to up my skill set in facilitation. Yeah. <laughs> Does yeah. that seem accurate?
1: If this is a direction you want to go in, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you're you're right on. Like it's it's because it, it's it's possible to consult, as you know, in a way where it's it is exciting, and you are you know about the gardening and the agroforestry and the dams and the roads and all that stuff, and for that to be the focus, and then over time we can get better at reading the people which I, I've developed holistic decision-making to help with because initially that was a, a real um, limiting factor for me, was that right. I would I would unwittingly impose, b- because I didn't really understand who these people were, I would just have to substitute myself and and basically give them what I would do if it was my place, right? So one step for me was, was learning how to read the people and immerse in the people and actually understand who they were uniquely and what they were deeply aspiring towards, not just you want permaculture you know not some generic kind of goal because everybody yeah. is unique and different that was a stepping stone but then beyond that it's like not only am i developing these abilities to read landscape to read place to read people and to actually do stuff you know like i said you still got to know how to right. you know how to how to do the actual the techniques and strategies but the main game the main focus here comes back to it's like a meta level facilitating the process whereby all those things come together where it's even, even let's say I'm getting really good at reading people. I can do that and I can read the place and I can still be in the game of I'm going to use that as the expert to tell you what to do as opposed yeah. to I'm going to kind of take you, through I'm going to bring you into the process of, of us getting to know you better and getting your, to know yeah. your place better and engage you in that and excite you with that and, um, and then facilitate the evolution of a process where like initially my hands are on the steering wheel. I come in, I'm like, hey, there's a steering wheel here. And here it is, and I'm holding it. Watch me, look, watch, look what happens when you turn it this way and this way and this way. Now you put your hands on it, you know, and, it's, and my, my yeah. goal is that I take my hands off and their hands stay on. You yeah. know, like, it's yeah. somebody like, holy shit. You know, like, we're steering this thing, you know? Whoa, yeah, yeah. thanks, Dan. And then, then they kind of crash, you know, to make a wrong turn. And I, I run back in and say, hey, hey, so just tell me, tell me why you turned that way because that's an iceberg over there. What about we come back towards the, the, the beautiful island you were heading for?
0: What if, so? What are the like? What are the most powerful tools for you in, in reading that kind of human the the people landscape? You mentioned the, the holistic decision making mm-hmm. process. Are there other tools that have, you know that you would recommend people like oh, investing yeah. time into developing? Yeah. In oh, for sure.
1: I mean, so many tools. I mean, w- one thing I'll share that that has just been so fascinating. Um, and, and it's come in large part out of my collaboration with David Honggren, who, who okay. as well as being the co-originator of permaculture, is, a, is, I don't know if he'd use this word himself, but I would 100% use it. He's a master of reading landscape. Like, he's mm. hes way better at reading landscape than anyone else I've ever met. It's a skill he's developed. And we've been working together to run these advanced design courses, which is all about exploring the questions you're asking. How? how yeah. What's a sound process that can really deliver on permaculture's beautiful potential and aspirations and two core aspects of that are reading people reading place so he he leads the reading landscape um, side of it and I read the lead the reading people side of it and what we've realized over time is that it's not 200 percent different skill sets yeah the thing you're focusing on is different but the ways of looking the questions you ask are the same thing and I can give you a Mm. few examples of that I'm working on a book at the moment about living design process that goes into a lot more a lot more detail but shall I, I give you a few little kind of things please to yeah. Yeah, to. yeah yeah I'd love some examples <laughs> yeah so oh, it's a good place to start so one thing um you know i'll mention this and i'll see where it see where it takes us there's quite, it's quite a yeah. lot to it a lot of it i think is about becoming more aware of how, how we've been brought up to see the world okay um and and how deeply we've been infused by a mechanical way of seeing the world so we tend to see these static objects in an empty space and all this kind of thing so part of it is just getting back into seeing the world in process terms and that's important for people and place but what when you so that without that, that that's a limiting factor but so assuming that's happening one thing that's happening is is you are it's very exciting for me because i start a conversation with a person or a landscape or both yeah. together because because often i'm getting to know the clients I'm working with as we're walking around their landscape so it's all you know happening together yeah it's like you're diving into this fresh universe where it's where it's like I've been invited into the space and my job right now is just to kind of relax into the question of like who are you and what's going on here you know even before what do you want or what's possible in this landscape it's just what is the, what's unique here what's what's going on here and one thing that I've, I've realized needs to happen um, to do that thoroughly is that you've got to be moving around yeah, and I'll have, I'll have a crack at explaining this and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. inside a holarchy. So you might have heard of a holarchy. The idea of the, that a on is a part hole. The idea that everything you know, everything is a on an apple, a microphone, a tree, a forest, and that it's a it's a part of a larger system and it's a hole that contains part. It's it's another way of the nested holes idea that Carol talks about. And so you, you're you're moving around in a system of nested holes and. I've developed some language for becoming more aware of the ways you can move around or surf or swim or dance or navigate the space and, and to notice our biases. And one cultural bias is towards what I call inspecting, where to inspect something is to look at it, then to zoom in on its component parts. There's a whole conversation about what holes and parts actually are, but let's just go with whatever they mean for whoever's listening right now. So you, you start at the whole. You're like like sometimes what we do is we'll I watch people on quite closely on classes and stuff and say, go go and understand this landscape and just watch where they put their attention. What they'll often do Mm. is they'll, they'll arrive at the landscape. First question is where are the fences? So they'll kind of zoom out to the, where's the boundary. All right. And then, okay, there's the boundary. And then they'll start doing what I call inspecting, which is moving from hole towards part. So they'll say, okay, so there's the boundary. Okay. So there's, there's kind of two hills or, there's um, two ridges and a valley in between and, and so they've gone from the whole landscape to these three components and then they'll say okay so in the valley there you've got the the river or whatever the perennial stream down the middle and you've got these kind of wet alluvial patches on either side and you've got these dry slopes facing different directions so you've just gone from one thing to three things to now six things and so on you zoom and zoom in and then often what they'll do is they'll jump from about that level to an individual rock or an individual tree or something like that and so the you're moving in and in and, in and in and in which is a really important part of healthy or authentic immersion and getting to know place and the, the parallel things ha- happens with people mm-hmm. it's like hi how are you so you're going to be my clients we're going to work together tell me a little bit about your your big picture you know your story and now, mm-hmm. and now let's start zooming in and quite quickly they'll it'll be like okay well so what's your wish list oh we want a pond and chickens and you know so you've, you've gone from the whole to these little tiny parts and if that process is dominated by what i'm calling inspecting you're kind of in a trap then, because then when you come to doing the design, you think you, you have to approach it as, well, how do I put all these parts I've discovered back into some sort of coherent whole? But inspecting contrasts with what I call aspecting. So the word aspect, we understand as a noun, an aspect of something, that that aspect, and we understand in the sense of which way the slope faces. But I'm, I'm using it in the, you know, one aspect of our conversation was me asking you questions another aspect was you asking me questions it turns out that historically it was also a verb so you could as well as inspecting you could do something called aspecting and aspecting is going in the opposite direction so when you aspect something you're moving from part towards whole you're moving from well to aspect is to see something in system and so initially I really cottoned onto this when I was watching David Hongren read landscape where I wasn't looking at the landscape so much as I was looking at him and I was like, I don't understand what the heck you're doing because I want to get better at doing this. And one thing he's definitely doing is he's inspecting and aspecting a real fluid motion and he's mm-hmm. not leaving huge kind of, series of rungs in the ladder missing so to speak or huge gaps because often what beginners do they'll just take a huge jump like i said from property as a whole to this little t- tiny detail in this detail you know you're running around the farm you, you like oh, here's the boundary okay all right let, where are the fences where are the gates where are the ponds where are the you're straight the inspecting checklist. yeah you're going through the you're auditing with a checklist he'll arrive at a property it might be a 200 acre farm or whatever and he's looking around, He's he zooms out, he's looking, he'll zoom out way be- beyond the boundary, which is, sec- like, I acknowledge that sectors in permaculture, that is about mm-hmm. aspecting, that is about saying what's coming in from outside. Yeah. He'll zoom out and then he'll, he'll zoom right into this tiny little rock, you know, and he'll pick it up and he'll say, is this volcanic or sedimentary? Volcanic, okay, is this, it's rounded, is that chemically, rounded due to chemically weathering or is it rounded during, due to being a watercourse and, and actually eroded by the, Moving water, you know. So he's he's asking questions, which is another part of it. But he zoomed right in, and then suddenly he'll he'll zoom from this little tiny rock, or sometimes it's a gum nut, you know, trying to identify what kind of tree. Then he'll zoom out to this the volcanic plateau that might be six kilometers long and four hundred meters high that this rock is a part of. So he's aspecting. So aspects out, zooms out, takes that in, and I'm doing that with people as well. I'm zooming in. I oh, I noticed you just, you know. It might, an example might be one, I'm talking to a couple, and one, one partner mentions something, um, I don't know, we're going to need a tractor for this project, obviously, or something, and I see the yeah. other partner's face kind of, <laughs> smile yeah. goes away or something, you know, so, and that's, I inspect in on that, and sometimes these days yeah. I might say, so-and-so, what, what do you think about the tractor, or whatever, and I'll get information, and it, it'll be information about the whole system, not just about the tractor, about, okay, so part of this is that some, there's some places where you don't overlap. And Unless I know what those are, I don't know what's unique about what's happening here, and I can't really be of service to this um, process. But in, in addition to aspecting and inspecting, there's so, what I call side-specting, which is when you go sideways. So David might okay. look at a tree. Is that a candle bark or a managum, you might say, along a, along a riverbank, two kinds of Australian eucalypts. He might side spect initially, which is, well, I'll look at the trees next at the same level of resolution, and then I'll inspect or zoom into the bark or a branch or a gum nut, and then I'll aspect to look at the whole strip of trees as a whole. So that's, that's about moving up and down in resolution. And you can start to pay attention to that more and make sure that you're, you're doing that in a, a balanced sort of way, and you're not missing out on aspecting. You're not missing out on seeing things in the system, which really is so core cool to what permaculture is about right, is seeing things as integrated yeah. parts of large larger functioning holes as nested holes um but you can you can also prospect what i call prospect and retrospect how's this going
0: it's good. good yeah all the specs, all the specs. Yeah, yeah
1: i call it the specting prism after someone else suggested that name i think it was pippa buchanan thanks pippa anyway prospecting is when you you move from now into the future and retrospecting is when you move from now into the past and you've got to do those things too right so you're reading a landscape mm-hmm. and so david's looking at the, the Volcanic plateau I mentioned and suddenly he starts retrospecting. He's like so that would that was laid down about 390 million years ago On top of that sedimentary ancestral ocean floor below it Which you can see in the change there and that that would have been about 400 million years ago and laid down under the, the, the ancient ocean floor So suddenly you've gone from being here and now looking at a rock to like looking at this massive, you know thousands of kilometers in extent landform in in the past you're 400 million years ago and you're kind of envisaging and imaging the the flood events where the where the, the silt and organic matter was getting swept out from the land into the ocean and slowly depositing itself on the tree on the ocean floor to form these layers you're seeing now so it's retrospecting and aspecting and inspecting and side and then then a big part of it too is of course is prospecting which is where's this heading where's you know, yeah living systems are always on the move. They've always got a trajectory. Where is it going? Where, where, what's its natural direction of succession or evolution? And so he'll be looking at a stream bank that's been heavily grazed by sheep or whatever it is, and now the sheep are gone. And you'll say, okay, so what'll happen here is, you know, whatever. And in the next year there'll be acacias and um, nitrogen-fixing support species and gorse and whatever else. And then, then at some point the you know, it'll give rise to these trees and it'll be bird habitat and they'll drop the seeds and it'll build the soil and the blackberry will give way to the blackwoods and then you'll get the first eucalypse and so on. And, you know, so you'll paint a picture. Yeah. So part of um, immersing in people in place thoroughly is a combination. It was moving around. So you, you yeah. and, and, and as you become more conscious of that, because for example, as we all know from anyone who's looked at any book on, on meditation or something, we're very good at not being in the now, in the here and now, like what's actually here right now and we do need to go back in the past and, and imagine what came before and into yeah. the future, you know, obviously, because we, we're talking about supporting the evolution of process that's going to move through time. But sometimes we can spend all our time and what was and what might be and miss out on what's he, r- here right in front of us, you know, and mm-hmm. part of that is just sinking in, relaxing in. And, and as you do this too, relaxing the... What to me, in my own experience, I've noticed is the t- tyrannical grip of the, uh, the, the rational mind, the analytical mind. You know, when I, when I, in my older approach to permaculture design consultancy, I'd go in there I'd look at landscape and be like, okay. You know, it'd be like, landscape, I'm going to take you to pieces. You know, I'm going to dig mm. holes. And I'm going to find out what your soil types, your geology, the sectors, the sun, the everything. And I kind of run around, like you said, in that kind of intellectual checklisting way. Yeah. Um, whereas to, to really get a feel for a landscape, initially, you've, or a person, you've got to get rid of the agenda and the checklist and just be with them and have a, more, a much more humble attitude and where you're feeling as well as thinking that those two things are happening in, in harmony with each other and even bringing a, a sense of play to it. Like when, when David Homer mm. reads landscape, he lights up like a kid, you know, he's, he's just, he, you can just see how much he's enjoying himself and he doesn't have an agenda. He doesn't need to know anything in particular, He's just curious and he's asking questions and he's not attached to his tentative hypotheses. And over time, and it's like a scanning motion to me. It's like, as as you're inspecting, aspecting, Mm side-specting, retrospecting, prospecting, it's like a multi-dimensional scanner and you're scanning the system. And he's doing that with landscape. I'm doing exactly the same thing with reading people. So I'll ask a question and it might be really broad. And then we inspect in on some little detail and then I'll aspect out again. And then I'll ask them about some aspect of their past. So we're retrospecting. And then I'll talk about some aspiration they have for the future. Or, you know, at what point will the kids leave home? Or, um, you know, when do you think your work will drop from full-time to part-time? Whatever it is, you know. So we're moving yeah. it forward and back and up and down and all around. And what's happening is this kind of, this in-touchness with the uni- the uni- uniqueness of who they are, you know, as beings, yeah. as people of landscape is slowly emerging. And so for me, it's been a huge shift to really honor that phase and realize no matter how great I thought I was at reading landscape and reading people in the past, I I was barely scratching the surface, you know, Mm. there's just so much there waiting to reveal itself to us. If we can bring the right frameworks, the right attitude, the right, the right combination of all our gifts as humans. Yeah. Yeah. And then part of it is using our our, our whole body mind, not just the, not just our our mind. Yeah. That things get a lot more interesting. Okay. Well that feels like a natural Place to break for now. The conversation will continue uh, in the next episode, episode 42. And I've also booked in a follow-up conversation with Scott where we're going to review the holistic context, uh, which I spoke about um, the idea of of, when I was talking about holistic decision-making in the last episode, episode 40. Anyway, that's all coming up. I did mention that I I found some old audio uh, footage of David Hongren, and this was from the 2018 um, Australasian permaculture convergence that happened just outside Canberra and it's from his closing address where he just happened to touch on the topic of uh, reading landscape and, um, uh, and design process and also reading people, there's a question, question about that um, in, in connection to some of the same points I made uh, in this very chat about working together so I, I thought oh, well, I'll definitely drop them in here so I'll throw those in now, enjoy those and then I'll, I'll fill you in on latest news and whatnot afterwards
2: How do you teach people to read landscape? I've been trying for decades, it's really complex. And I just have to say that after trying to understand this process in myself of reading landscape and then how to communicate it and the struggles I've had with that, it was going out with Dan Palmer on a property and him watching me read landscape that actually gave me more insight into actually what I was doing that I hadn't fully grasped before so this thing of um, actually trying to see what we are doing is is very very complex
1: then toward the end of his presentation David fielded a few questions from the group and one of the questions came from social permaculture elder pioneer powerhouse Robin Clayfield um, who asked How important reading people was relative to reading landscape?
2: Uh, Equally important to the reading landscape because Dan and I have been working um, on a couple of courses now where the primary process is me teaching the reading landscape and him teaching the reading people. And, of course, that is, like, I would say the... teaching reading people that looks like it's about as a designer, as a facilitator is partly useful as an externalisation so that you can actually learn to look the other way and look inside too. (laughs) So yeah, I would see and what I'm finding from the process of working that they're actually not just of equal importance but they're actually similar methods.
1: Very cool and on topic and big thanks to I think it was Scotty Foster for who's part of the um, convergence organizing team for organizing that recording. Uh, and speaking of recordings of David Holmgren, I'm very excited to share that two days back, I know I've, I've mentioned that it was an upcoming thing. It's in the past now. We we made a um, I made a solid start and recorded the first instalment of a um, an ep- upcoming episode with David Holmgren, where he is sharing the story of his journey over the decades with permaculture design process. And it's I tell you, it's yeah, very cool, very very rich. Um, we, we in the first our, I think we made it up to 1984, um, so including the, the period of learning with and um, from Bill Mollison and, um, and, and all kinds of amazing details so I'm very excited to be uh, working on that and, and that'll be two or three episodes coming out of the next month I reckon. Apart from that, everything's powering along, I've still got a lot of episodes up my sleeve, um, I'm still currently having an email to and fro with Holistic Management founder Alan Savory that I look forward to sharing in the next little while also. I'm personally very actively working with all of the ideas we're exploring, got a bunch of um, people I'm working with currently to support them to articulate a, hol- a holistic context or a set of quality of life statements, and in some cases a statement of uh, purpose, which I really enjoy, it's an honor to do that kind of work with folk. Um, I'm also with with some friends who live in a small country town. We're doing an experiment where I'm supporting them to apply Carol Sanford's um, seven first principles of regeneration to their situation and the and the beautiful um, change-making work they're doing in their local community. That should be more than enough information for you two to identify yourself. <laughs> and, um, and lots of interesting land-based design projects too. Almost more than I can manage to keep up with it in terms of documenting. But it's all feeling very very exciting. Oh, the other thing that's um, cranking at the moment is every six weeks we have a, a gathering of the make what we call the Making Permaculture Stronger community of practice, which means um, I think there's about fifteen to twenty of us that show up, folk that kindly support the project through Patreon, and it's just feeling really alive, you know. And, and everyone and I'm I'm, in, I'm loving using the distributed distributed intelligence of the of the group to. Um, to explore ideas, and it's very actively feeding into the um, in-progress um, book and manuscript I'm working on on living design process, um, as well as the the other manuscript on on making permaculture stronger. And um, I'm I'm just thrilled. I, I I'm actually thinking of whether we should make the the gatherings more 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 often because I'm I'm itching for the next one, even though it's it's only been a week. Um, find out more about getting involved in that at patreon.com slash stronger. find out about this project in general at stronger.net. I really hope you're enjoying this um, I'm enjoying putting this stuff out there so please make a comment or send me a message um, I really appreciate hearing from you what's what's useful and it, I welcome any ideas for where this whole thing heads in future meantime take care out there and I'll catch you in episode 42